1: Alright guys, I know you love the sport of hockey and I know you love making money, so let's bring those two things together. MyBookie.ag has teamed up with the Hockey Podcast Network to bring you a great deal. Use the promo code CHPN, and MyBookie will match your initial deposit 50% all the way up to $1,000. So you deposit 500, you get 250 bucks to play with in free wagers. That's a can't lose situation, folks. Use the promo code THPN on mybookie.ag. Mybookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Welcome, everyone, to the Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the Grumpy Old Man. Guys, me. Uh, Now, Grumpy Old Man, unfortunately wrong on the prediction train here for this last week. Um, Definitely figured, despite the red-hot Vancouver Canucks visiting us at the Barclays Arena, um, I thought the Islanders were going to go ahead and pull off a victory because it was just an early game. I mean, you have a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast and playing a 1 o'clock in the afternoon game. I mean, their body time, it's like they're playing at 10 o'clock in the morning. So, you know, the preparation that goes into the game and uh, suiting up and everything like that, obviously it's they're getting ready at a very, very early time, almost an extreme time for them, um, where the body's not necessarily acclimated to it. That being said, unfortunately, the Islanders, uh, they lost in overtime. They did... They did salvage a point, where for the most part, I mean, they were dominated the entire second period. They didn't look terrible all game, but I mean, Vancouver Canucks—they got that lead, that three-to-two lead—and they found a good way to go ahead and keep the puck in front of them, dump and chase, and they didn't get too fancy.
0: Yeah, um, I didn't think the Islanders played poorly. Barry Trotz did, and he said he loved the performance. Uh, you know, we just didn't get to cash any opportunities and. Uh, the thing we learned yesterday – and, yeah, I, th- I thought we were going to win yesterday. I really did. I thought we were going to win yesterday uh, for the same reasons that you mentioned. Uh, but Vancouver has really turned their their program around in just a couple of years uh, by going the youth route, and it certainly uh, voted well for them yesterday. I, like I said, I don't think we played poorly yesterday. I thought we pretty much uh, dominated the action. Um but at the end of the day, you know, skill wins out, and that's that's what happened yesterday.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that skill won out in that particular scenario. I mean, I, I just don't think we really pose a lot of a threat for the majority of the game. I mean, our shots were all coming from the outside on the periphery. I don't think we had a lot of – I guess you could say they classified as a high or dangerous scoring opportunities or high-chance scoring opportunities. We just didn't have many of those. And well, I don't necessarily think Vancouver had a lot of those either. I mean, it, they were kind of like fluky in a way. Um, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say fluky. Uh,
0: I would say they were opportune um johnny lost his guy the first goal he lost his guy in front of the net uh the guy comes off the bench um and skates right down the center of the ice and he pops in a rebound um quinton hughes the uh quinn hughes. quinn hughes uh the winning goal was just a nice shot i don't i think Ah, uh, was a little bit offline, and then they nice had. shot. Hold. I mean, that
1: was a, that was a wrist shot from the the circle, the top of the circle. I, I'm not sure it was a nice shot. That's definitely something Grice wanted to have back. I mean, he, he even he, saw Butch say it was a weakie.
0: Well, he was offline. He was offline, and then the goal where uh, just a little deflection trickles through his Grice's legs. I just. But here's the thing, you could tell they they're just they're they're a young a young talented team. Uh, and the future's bright for them. Um,
1: You're talking about Vancouver, correct? I'm talking
0: about Vancouver. Yeah, we're not young, that's for certain. And you know, well, you know about how I think about the talented-wise. I thought, I just, one thing I found really interesting was, okay, I want to preface it this way. I hate when announcers start towing the company line as opposed to just calling what they see. Yesterday, Butch said, that he thought that it was the best game that Matt Barzal played in the last month plus, last 30 days plus. And I'm like, if you think that's the best game he's played in the last 30 days, I don't know what you've been watching. And because to me, for the most part, he was absolutely invisible yesterday. Yeah, he was playing that checking role. It's not what he should be. That's not, I, if, I'm going to tell you, if Gretzky was on this team, you never would have heard of The Office which is, which is uh, for younger fans, that's where Gretzky used to stand behind the net and make plays because that wouldn't have been acceptable in this system. I mean, I'm, well, like, gl- I'm just frustrated.
1: I'm glad you went ahead and clarified because for the younger fans, when they hear The Office, I'm sure they're thinking about the TV sitcom, um, NBC, I believe it was. Um, but I will say this much, Grumpy Old Man. I did not want to feed too much into what we saw, particularly out of Matt Barzal, and the game against the Vancouver Canucks, I thought he minimized the amount of time he had the puck, which I'm sure was a focal point for the team and for I guess him and Barry Trotz. They do not want him overhandling the puck. Trade him. And and now when it comes down to that, in my opinion, if you don't want him overhandling the puck, and I and I will concede that occasionally he does overhandle the puck, and it does lead to ill opportune turnovers. But when he also overhandles the puck, it leads to offensive opportunities for us occasionally. So, again, it's, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword, and I guess that's not something the team wants to have happen. And it's unfortunate because – and I don't want to play too much into it because there's only one game, and I want to look to see if it was more of a trend. You brought it up, and I'm glad you did. You saw the same thing I did. But I want to try to let this become a trend. If, you know, we notice this over a five- or ten-game span, obviously – they're that you know, that's that's the way they want him playing, but that's not something I want to see out of Matt Barzol. I like to see him holding the puck, I like to see him being able to control offensive possession in the opposing zone. That's what I like to see out of Matt Barzol. He's the only guy on our team that can consistently do that, and I don't want to see this become a trend again. It's only been one game, so I don't want to sound like I'm you know hitting an alarm or the horn or anything like that. But it is something I notice as well that you notice, so it's going to be interesting to watch to see if that trend continues. That being said. I think the goal that Jordan Eberle had uh, from the feed by Anthony Pavilier was absolutely beautiful.
0: Yeah, uh, agreed. I want to correct you on one thing. When you said he's the only player on the team who can consistently uh, do that for the Islanders, he's the only player on the Islanders who can consistently do that. And you know what? If you don't like his style of play, trade him. Trade him. Get what you can for him because there's there'd be a lot of he he you get a lot for him. If you want to keep on shackling that kid and turning him into a into uh I don't know a Casey Zizekas or whatever, whatever, the, whatever however they want everyone to play, move on from him. That's that's my suggestion. No sense keeping him on the team if you're gonna shackle him. I mean, it's just like I said, it's just frustrating. When you hear, you know, the company guy coming out and saying, Oh, it's the best game he's played, he was for the most part, freaking invisible yesterday. Absolutely invisible. Yeah, he did what he's supposed to do defensively. It's not what he's there for. Like I said, Gretzky would have scored 40 points a year playing for this Islander team. As a matter of fact, he wouldn't even have played because he never played any defense. He never would have played for the Barry Trotz. He would have been probably in the minors his whole career. I realize I'm being a little over the top, but here's the thing. Gretzky didn't play any defense, not any. And so you're gonna say that well you know what he's not playing the team system okay you know that that's where that's where coaches sometimes you know if you're so in love with your system I'm just a big believer that you tailor your system to the talent you have what's the one thing about hockey that you really you want to be engaged you want to uh, you want to be entertained. Matt Marzal entertains the fans. You
1: Listen, were kind of all over the place. I don't want to kind of condense you right down. And you were talking about the structure and I want to get back to that. Cause I think you're right. When you bring up that point, I think the structure a coach has is important, but in the same token, you cannot be afraid to deviate a little bit away from that rigid, hard structure based off the players and the talent you have. I do agree with you on that. And if that's the point you're trying to make.
0: Yeah. Um, and then you cut me off when I was. There was something else I wanted to add to that, which I cannot remember now. So we'll just move on.
1: I'm sorry, Grumpy Old Man. You're jumping all over the place like that. I want to get it condensed, where we kind of know what no, you're talking no. about. See, that's you're a, no, 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 no,
0: no. See, I go on a, I little, I meander and I get right back to where I want to. I put a whole lot of information out there, and then I get back to my point. When you cut me off mid sentence like that, guess what? Now you've lost. The whole thing was a waste. Let's go. We might as well just start the podcast over.
1: Roll it, restart it. No, <laughs> uh, but that being said, grumpy old man, I, I think you're right when you talk about certain players and needing to tailor again your game around extremely talented players. For example, if we had a guy like Connor McDavid or Leandre Saddle, do you think? We would have the same exact type of discussions where they'd be getting benched for third periods. They'd be they'd be told and given. Now Dre Saddle plays on the wing of Connor McDavid, so he's not a center. But do you think if we had Connor McDavid and he was more focused on offensive possession and scoring points, and again he was leading the team in scoring, he was the only bit of offensive jump and firepower we had on the entire team? Do you think we'd have this same exact discussion? if you know, he was playing the Matt Barzal role and Matt Barzal wasn't here? Do you think Barry Trotz would have the same issue with Connor McDavid, or would he be so offensively talented that he would kind of disregard it and kind of encourage a Connor McDavid-type role to play more defense? Or do you think he'd be so steadfast where he'd say, no, you need to do X, Y, and Z out there on the ice?
0: I think he would be more steadfast and he would want to change his game. I mean, we we see it. We see it every single night when he it doesn't. He could have a five point game, a five goal game, and if he missed a defensive assignment, that's what you'd hear at the end of the game. I just like I said, he I and here's the thing, we have to play that way to a certain extent because we're just not a very talented team with individual players, which is not. But that said, when you and I'm going to get back to my point now, from earlier, when you go to a game. And listen to the crowd. Listen to the crowd. Listen to the fans. When Matt Barzell touches that puck and he starts doing the things that he's capable of doing, listen to the crowd noise. Do you hear that noise any other time during an Islander game? You don't. It's like everybody's sitting on their hands for the most part because we play a boring style. We just do. And you're there to entertain. I know you want to win games, but here's the thing: you want to entertain the fans. You want people to put money down, their hard-earned cash, to go to games, to buy jerseys, you know, to buy concessions. You have to entertain the fans. That kid entertains the fans, and like I said, if it was it'd be the same thing. If it was Connor McDavid, the same thing if it was Mario Lemieux or Wayne Gretzky. Because let me tell you something: those guys did not play defense. They did not play defense, and Alexander Ovechkin does he play defense really for the most part maybe that Stanley Cup year a little bit but that's not his game that's not his game I mean like I said it's just frustrating I and just when I hear oh that's the best game that he's played in you know over a month you're dreaming you're absolutely dreaming if you want him to be a Casey Sezekis or a Derek Brassard, or you know, any you're just not going to get that. It's not who he is. Stop trying to punish the kid for being who he is. If you don't like his style of play, there are a lot of teams that would move on and get yourself a bunch of third and fourth uh, third and fourth wing grinders to put on the first line. Go ahead. If he doesn't fit into your style, move him because believe me, there's a big market out there for players like that.
1: Well, again, I think you're being a little facetious, grumpy old man. I don't think they're moving him anytime soon or anything like that. I will say this much. I do agree with the company-line nonsense that Butch spewed out after last game. My God almighty. When I saw that, and I think Butch thinks – when he saw that game, Matt Barzal, quote-unquote, played a more complete game. Sure, I'm putting air quotes out there. I know nobody could see it or anything like that, but for the Grumpy Old Band, I'm putting air quotes out. And I just because you're playing a more complete game, that's good and all, but it, it takes away from the offensive firepower that you bring that we so desperately need. If we were a team that was 100% defensive-oriented, which we are, We occasionally need some guys to take chances and to be more offensive-minded. And we didn't have a lot of high-opportunity chances last game. And I don't know if that's going to continue to be a trend. I mean, the Vancouver Canucks are not a good defensive team, and their goaltending is not good. It's not like we're out there playing a very, very good defensive team and we're being stopped all night. That's not the case. Vancouver is a team that puts up a lot of goals every single night, and they have a lot of opportunities.
0: Well, Markstrom has played really well for them this year. Now defensively, now here's and here's your trade-off. You have Quinn Hughes who is good. He's got good vision, he's real smart, but he's tiny. He's tiny. That's why they they hemorrhage chances in their end. And that's that's the one thing with tiny defensemen that you're going to get. They might move the puck great. They can skate well. But you know what? They struggle playing defense. And he struggles playing defense. He has to guess, try to jump passes that are in the, uh, you know, as passes are coming across. You know, he has to make a lot of those moves in the defensive end because he's not going to out anyone. And that's where they – I mean, they have a couple of vets back there in uh, Chris Tanev and uh, Alex Edler. uh you know, they kind of write the ship, but otherwise their defense, you're right, is not great, but their young skill players are really good. And they're just going to, I mean, you look at Horvath and uh, Pedersen. Ron Besser, Patton. there's a whole Besser. bunch of players. Yeah, you know what, that's what happens when you say, you know what, we're going to go and rebuild. We're going to get put young skill players up front and to put an exciting product out there, and they've turned that team around in three years. Turned it around in three years.
1: Well, I will say this much about them. And given the the Vancouver Canucks have been playing good hockey as of late, I think they said since the t- December 19th they have the most points in the NHL over that time period recorded. I'm not 100% sure. I believe that's what they said on the broadcast. I might be wrong. Don't quote me. But I do know that now after I'm beating the quote Islanders, you. they. I'm going to quote what?
0: you. I'm quoting okay. you. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, I can't tell you this much. They are on a five game winning streak after beating the Islanders. And I understand the Vancouver Canucks are hot. That was just not a game I had expected us to lose by any measure. And we talked about it before in last podcast. When you travel from the West Coast, to the East Coast, and play an afternoon game. No matter what sport it is, basketball, football, baseball, it doesn't matter. Your body's not accustomed to playing a game at a start time of 10 o'clock and getting up for your morning routine, you know, four or five hours earlier, which is the equivalent to, you know, six, five o'clock in the morning. You're just not used to it. You're not accustomed to it. So that's a game really the Islanders should have had an upper hand and a real advantage in. And to see them not take advantage of it and give it, the Canucks are hot, it's just a little odd, that's all. And I was expecting a better showing from us yesterday. We're recording this here on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, but I was just expecting a better showing out of us yesterday, grumpy old man.
0: Yeah, I, I, well, okay. I thought we played well. I, I did. I, I thought we played well. Uh, but every time we make a mistake against a skilled team, you make a mistake, it's going to cost you. I mean, teams make mistakes like that against us all the time. We just can't capitalize because our planes aren't skilled enough. Um, you know, I mean, like that overtime goal, we gave we gave the Hughes kid too much space. Grice is a little bit offline, game over, right? I mean, you know, the guy coming off the bench, we don't pick him up, skates right down right down the slot, chips it in. Johnny loses his man in front of the net. After a shot off the post, we get caught scrambling. He walks right around Johnny. I mean, uh, Noah Dobson had his guy tied up in front of the net. He walks right around, pops it in for a goal. And then the I consider it a weak goal. It was a slight deflection, and just trickles through uh, Grice. And, but I mean, I don't think overall we played a poor game. I thought we played a good game. That's as good. That's as good as we can play. I mean, we carried the action yesterday. We, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of high quality scoring chances. I mean, we just don't do that. Uh, but I mean, we did put a lot of pucks on net. I mean, I don't think we played poorly. I just think that when a skilled team gets opportunities, they are able to cash in. And when we have those opportunities, we're not necessarily able to do that.
1: Yeah, I I, I will say, if you do have more skill, I think you're going to be able to convert more to those chances and opportunities going the other way. I 100% agree with you on that. And I will say a few things I noticed during yesterday's game also. Unfortunately, as hot as Thomas Grice looked over the last two games before the NHL All-Star break, he looked, uh, I would say, a little unfocused and yesterday's game, which is unfortunate because we're, we are really looking for a goalie we can ride and for him to be the hot hand, and we haven't had that in a while. I mean, Varlamov was coming off some very, very poor play. Thomas Grice looked like he was maybe the answer to ride for a little bit, and unfortunately he comes back with, again, not a good performance, I'm sure, and hit his standards. But I also say this, grumpy old man. I don't know how many times I can watch Johnny Boychuk just consistently be skated around as he looks like he's standing out there with cinder blocks attached to his ankles. I don't know. I mean, and the thing is, we look at the one goal that that we gave up, which is a direct correlation to, number one, him, I think, taking a cross-checking penalty, which I'm going to get back to in a second. But he takes a cross-checking penalty. Then, you know, the forward for Vancouver Canucks is just skating circles around him. He's not able to mark his man, keep up with him, and it leads directly to a goal. I mean, that's a direct correlation of Johnny not being able to skate and keep up with his guy. That's why he's got to continually take these cross-checking penalties. He, he, I will say this much. Johnny has not been penalized for cross-checking as often as he cross-checks. He cross-checks, I want to say, at least once or twice a game. And I'm not sure how he gets away with it, but I'm talking about a good two-hand cross-check right to the small of the back where if I was a fan of another team, I'd be yelling at the TV screen about how Boychuck is cross-checking our guys because he can't skate with the other other forwards. So he's got to go ahead and be overly physical. And I think he cross-checks the guys a lot and does not get called for it. So we're lucky for that.
0: Yeah. uh, Okay. I mean, do we need to get back into the Johnny thing? I just – for me – he should be the seventh defenseman on this team at this stage of his career. Um, and, you know, I love me some Johnny boy, Chuck, always have. Uh, the cross. Check, everyone cross-checks, all defensemen cross-check, especially the guys who are a little bit older because that used to be part of the game. Now they're trying to get rid of that. They want more scoring. I mean, you know, okay. You know, I see Noah Dobson with, on his man out in front of the net. But he's just kind of manning up on him, as opposed to trying to clear him out, and that's just the way the young defensemen are. They just don't want to really physically body guys out of there. Where sometimes a nice shot to the small of the back it gets you away from your goalie. Um, I, I mean, I just, I just, I thought the refereeing yesterday, for the most part, was okay, uh, except for the Mark, Matt Barzal embellishing penalty. But yes. I warned you, I warned you that was coming. I warned everyone on this podcast that was coming two, three months ago. You want to start diving a little bit, you're going to get that rep. And yesterday he was clearly tripped, and they said he dove. I mean, mean, he was on one skate. The guy pokes his skate out, and he goes down. I don't know how that's embellishing. But the worst thing was the referee, who's only done seven NHL games, they made sure to bring that up numerous times. Uh, didn't blow the whistle right away he called the tripping penalty had his hand up Barzell stick handles a while and then all of a sudden he blows the whistle i'm like dude what are you doing if it's if you're calling embellishing you know 10 seconds earlier why didn't you blow the whistle immediately when he had the puck and like i said they were and then they try to cover up oh well you know he's a great you know he's just young and blah 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 well you know what you can either do the job or you can't and he didn't do the job yesterday, whatever his name, Tim something. I don't know. I don't know the referee's last name.
1: And I don't think it's important for us to learn that type of stuff. But I will say that. I I did think it was kind of comical that he did get the embellishment penalty. I think Matt Barzal definitely embellishes. We've talked about it before on the podcast, and I'm happy you brought that up because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. But we've talked about it. When you embellish like that and you get the rep for being a guy who tries to sell calls you occasionally are going to get the embellishment calls against you. Unless you're a certain group of people, unless you're a Crosby or, you know, a handful of the uber-talented premier players in the league, you're going to get embellishment calls against you. That's just how the league is headed. And it's unfortunate because I don't think that was an embellishment call. It It was odd how that one played out because you're right, he did stick handle the puck a little bit afterwards, and it was a good 10 seconds afterwards until, you know, the ref just blew the whistle and sent them both off, which I was confused about. But needless to say,
0: um and he does embellish let's be honest matt Barzell and i warned you about it he does embellish now i think the nhl should have a new award it's called the bill barber award for best divers uh i think they should definitely have that part of their end of the season because i mean let's add some fun to that uh (laughs) you know the the award show let's have the bill barber award the uh, Bob Probert Award for Best Fighter. Let's do stuff like that because I'm going to tell you what, the fans are really going to get into that. Yeah, the the Hart Trophy, yeah, that's cool. The Conn Smythe, yeah, that's cool. Selkie, great. No, let's have the Barber Award, the uh, Probert Award, the Tiger Williams Award for most penalty minutes. How would you like to have that? You get the, the, the Dave Tiger Williams Award for most penalty minutes a year. Uh, let's do something like that. And then you see at the end of the year, hey, I got to get some penalties. I'm only I'm only three penalty minutes off for winning that award. Let's start a fight at the end of the last regular season game. That means nothing. I think fans would love that. You know, the Dave Tiger Williams award watch.
1: Well, I will say that much, Grumpy little Man. That would definitely bring a little bit of enthusiasm behind those award shows. I, I used to watch the award shows religiously, um, and my interest has kind of fleeted over time. But I will say this much: if you were to add awards like that, like the Best Dives, st- st- something like that, to keep it interesting, I would definitely tune in every single year. Because obviously, the majority of the awards are already kind of like, you know, they're already pre-picked. You know, the hard Award, you already know who's going to win that. In most cases, you already gonna, you already know who's going to win the majority of these awards. Very, very rarely are there any surprises, which is why people don't actually watch the award shows. Um, at least I think. But if you were to add some awards like that, I think that definitely would uh, that definitely would go ahead and spike some interest and it just gives something a little extra to talk about that is new and a little bit different that you know our game needs. I mean the way sports are headed, you always need to be innovative and always thinking about how to keep fans enthralled and just how to keep your game interesting.
0: And I also think we need more nicknames in hockey. Uh, you know, I always hated the Philadelphia Flyers, but all their players had pretty cool nicknames uh, back in the '70s. Uh, Dave the Hammer Schultz, uh, Don the Stork, Selesky, uh, um, Andre Moose Dupont, Battleship Bob Kelly. You know, those kind of nick- that's kind of great. I mean, what are the do you hear any nicknames anymore? You know, Ovechkin, Ovi. I mean, really. I mean, you know, we need nicknames on players too. I, I think it was it's better that way.
1: I was about to say if I'm thinking about a guy with a nickname, and I guess this is one that's pretty widely used. Is Brabovsky has Bob, maybe? But I mean, like all of them are so bland; they're just like a different deviation of their name. So Bob I understand. Is what a, you're Bob is from.
0: not a nickname. Bob is not a nickname. No. How about Tim Doctor Hook McCracken from Slapshot? How about Ogie Oglethorpe? How about that? You know, those are the type go back. You know what? Everyone on this podcast as a homework assignment, y'all, if you have uh, here's his thing, I'm going to assume most people who listen to this podcast have seen the movie Slap Shot. But if you haven't, you must watch it. And even if you have watched it, you need to watch it again, because that's when old time hockey, that's that's what people need to watch. That's when hockey was great. I mean, they want to turn the league into figure skaters right now. No, not me. I mean, I'm going to bring it up. Last night, there was the Battle of Alberta, Episode 4 for this year, Edmonton against Calgary. And there were 122 minutes. I think it was 122 or 102 minutes of penalty minutes. A lot of penalty minutes for uh, NHL game circa 2020. I'll just say that. You had a goalie fight. Uh, I think there were three other fights. And just physical play all over the ice. It was a fantastic game to watch. And here's what you notice. Every t- And I love all these, oh, we want to get rid of fighting in hockey. Let's get rid of fighting in hockey. Oh, it's so brutal. No one wants to see hockey fights. Let me tell you something. When you saw Mike Smith come out of the net to go to center ice and throw his stick, the whole arena was up on their feet. All the guys on the bench are banging their sticks. Everyone wanted to see that fight. Every time you see a hockey fight, the crowd is into it. Everyone stands up to watch. You want to know why? Because we like seeing people trying to beat the hell out of one another. It was fantastic. That was a throwback game. And they did uh hockey night in Canada late night. They brought in Jim Poplinski, Louis DeBrusque, uh, Martin Jelena. They were all there, and they were talking about the battle, the legendary battles of Alberta. And... You know, they showed clips from the olden days when that's all they used to do was fight. It was fantastic. Here's what people forget about the old Edmonton Oilers. Everyone thinks, oh, Gretzky, Messier, Yari, Curry. You know, they scored a whole lot of goals, which they did, but they were tough. They were tough. They were not afraid to mix it up. The teams back then, you had to be able to fight and play. The Islanders back in the day, the Boston Bruins, you had to be able to fight. I mean, you think about the Islanders, right? When uh, back there, it wasn't that just the Islanders would, could play any style. They could match you physically as well. Clark Gillies, Bobby Nystrom, Gary Howard. Guys like that, not afraid to throw the hands. Dave Longerman. I mean, you look at the Bruins of the old days. Terry O'Reilly, he wasn't a great fighter, but he had guts. Uh, you know, guys like that. Millbury could throw the could throw the mitts back in the he old days. could throw the
1: shoes, too.
0: Yeah, well, you know what? That, I, I mean, it was great. Going into the stands and beating up fans with their own shoes. What's better than that? You still you still talk about it, you know, almost, whatever, 45 years later, 50 years later. Because that's the stuff that people remember. Is somebody going to remember some two-to-one victory where, you know, okay, nobody did anything and we scored a late goal? No. They're going to remember stuff like that. I mean, that's hockey was great back then. I'm not saying it's not good now. But, man, hockey was great back then when it was a so-called niche sport.
1: Well, I will say this. I think when you're trying to bring a little bit of juice back for the rivalries and you're trying to go ahead and energize some of those old, really, hatred between teams, stuff like we saw last night in the Battle of Alberta will help do that. And again, I I have no issue with fighting in hockey. I think it serves an important role in the sport, whether it's just trying to go ahead and get energy for the team. You know what I mean? It It allows you to possibly change pace. We've seen it work against us this year. I mean, if you look at that Rangers game after we scored the first goal, I think it was a few weeks ago, and we're dominating. We had two fights back-to-back. I mean, Ross Johnson had a fight, and then Matt Martin was thrown out of the game with his fight within, ai don't remember, maybe a one-minute time span. And from that point on, I mean, the Rangers can just proceed to throttle us. I mean, a fight like that can really change the momentum of a game, and it's important.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the way it used to be. If, if if something was getting out of hand, like or even in the playoffs especially, if your team was down, you're going to lose a game, you want to send a message for the next game. Go out there and start a fight at the end. That always used to be an issue. Now it's no one wants a fight anymore. Like I said, they want to legislate it out of the game. And to me, that's part of what makes the game great. The fact that okay, you've taken some liberties with our team today. We're gonna we're gonna send a message for the next game. Don't expect to get away with some of these things. We want you to have your head on a swivel when you go near the net. I mean that's part of what hockey's about. I mean, I, like I said, I I long for those days, even during the late 80s and early 90s. My gosh, they used to call it the black and blue. Div- well, that's in football too. The Norris Division was kind of like the black and blue division. Uh, you know, you had St. Louis and Chicago going at it. Detroit. I mean, those teams just mixing it up all the time. I, hockey was just absolutely fantastic back then, and the guys had skill. But you know, you had to keep your head on a swivel, as Don Cherry used to say. Don't get uh, don't get caught uh, crossing the trolley tracks when guys you just line you up. You just couldn't skate willy nilly. Ah, I'm just going to drift across the ice. You get hammered when you did that.
1: Well, yeah. that that has changed due to player safety and I don't care the NHLPA. About
0: I don't care about player safety. Why should I care about player safety? They get paid a lot more money than I do.
1: Oh, grumpy old man! I will say you're probably in the minority of that. I don't want to see what? anybody get. I don't want to see anybody get hurt or you know severe. I mean, you look at some of those hits that Scott Stevens used to have. I, I think he is clean. almost a poster boy.
0: They were he clean. Was almost- they were clean. Those were clean hits. They're clean hits. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. It's about keeping your head up. It's not figure skating out there. You know we don't want to send. What are you going to send? Dorothy Hamill out there because she can. She can skate. Or Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. Name any. uh, Christy Yamaguchi. Who do we want? Michelle Kwan. Is that who we want to send out there? Do we want to send Torval and Dean out there to make passes to one another? No. I want to see. You better keep your head up because uh, uh, Jane Torval or whatever Torval and whatever. You know what? You come skating across, you're going to get hammered. Keep your head up, girly. Keep your head I, up.
1: I have no issue with open ice hits, but I'm talking about the ones Are on Scott Stevens time, against Paul Korea.
0: Every time there's an open ice hit, it starts a a, a, a wrestling match because nobody throws punches, but a wrestling match. It starts a wrestling match out there. You know what? That's just the game. Hip checks have been a. Dennis Potvin was an absolutely fantastic hip checker back in the day. You throw a hip check now, it's like, ooh. Ooh, somebody do a hip check. Is that going to start a fight? You know what? Keep your head up. Keep your head up. I'd you look like at the
1: hip check. I mean, uh, thinking about the most famous hip check as of recent was the hip check Drew Jaddy laid on uh, Kachuk from the uh, the Flames. And, again, it proceeded to, to lead to a fight afterwards, and then more nastiness in games proceeding. But you're right. I mean, hitting has almost virtually been eradicated from the game, at least – the hitting that we we were once accustomed to is no longer around in the game. And it's kind of been legislated out with the rule changes and the safety and the player safety. So that's just the way the game is headed. And it's it's across all sports. That's what happened in football. You might also make the argument, right? It was good when you used to be able to clothesline football players and, you know, grab them by the back of the jerseys and horse collar them down. There's a lot of different rule changes. And, you know, hit them in the head. There no was such problem with CT concussions. They didn't know anything about it. But, I mean, the, the games have changed, grumpy old man. Unfortunately, for you know, for the for for, for the, I guess the excitement aspect, the games have changed.
0: Yeah, that was good, though. When you could pile-drive guys on football, that was great. Close lines. Fred the Hammer Williamson, that was his move. He used to wear something was like a cast on his, uh, on his arm. And a guy would come, and he just hit him with the forearm right to the head. Hey, you know what's wrong with that? You're getting paid a lot of money. These guys today get paid a lot more money than they did back then. You know what? It just is what it is. You're getting uh, – you know what? If I wanted to watch the World Wrestling or World Wrestling Entertainment, there's another sport, right? It used to be a World Wrestling Federation, but now it's World Wrestling Entertainment, right? If I want to see something choreographed in football, which is basically what we have now, uh, you know, great. I mean, I, you know, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Will I watch the game? Probably a little bit, but you know what? I don't like games that are fifty-five to fifty-four. The league likes that. They like it to be like basketball. I don't. I like teams that play defense, you know, particularly in football. Now, in hockey, I'd like to see more than one or two goals a game, I have to admit, but I don't want to see every game being 10 9. I mean, just, you know, like I said, the grumpy old man remembers the good old days. And the thing about, and I don't know, TJ, if you're a millennial or a Gen Xer, I know there's a certain age limit where you fall into one category or another in these ridiculous times that we live. But I'm going to tell you what. I'll take you back to yesteryear and if you're not throwing up by the end of the first period watching a hockey game because your little sensibilities have been bruised and damaged you're going to fall in love with the way the game used to be and anyone who doesn't like fighting or physical play you know what there's always a chess tournament down the street
1: well i will say this and i've always thought this is kind of a weird comparison when you're talking about sports in in general the contact sports and how they've been trying to legislate and and enforce more player safety you see some sports like boxing and MMA which are much more physical in nature and i would argue lead i'm sure to the same exact amount of uh, chances there for concussion ct you name it you don't see those sports trying to go ahead and make rule changes to pr- pr- to protect player safety because those sports, I guess they, they have complete knowledge and understanding that they know they're going in there to brawl and they're going in there just to go ahead and cause pain and to win a fight. And it's unfortunate that we see such a difference there in in just the fighting aspect of certain sports, but in other sports, again, we have to go ahead and, you know, NFL, um, NHL, we have to go ahead and try to minimize the impact we have on heads, chest, shoulders, you name it, you know, hits to knees to quarterbacks, stuff like that. Again, there's been a lot of different rule changes where if you look at some sports now, and I almost argue that the reason why MMA and boxing is still alive and thriving is because sports like NFL and NHL and other contact sports are starting to wean that out of their game. And while, the, while boxing and the MMA are embracing that, and you see those personalities like Conor McGregor and Khabib, you're seeing that continue to allow the sport to rise. It's just interesting to see those difference, differences in those sports. And it'll be interesting to kind of, kind of track that uh, over time.
0: Yeah, and Ronda Rousey, right? I mean, think about her. She was like a huge star there for a while. And she I know she'd be able to kick your butt, TJ, in any fight that she was in. Uh, I don't care how big and strong you are. She'd take you down and put you in her, whatever lock her was. Uh, I don't know if it was an arm thing or whatever, or a leg thing, but you'd be going down and you'd be crying for your mommy. I know that for a fact. Like I said, she, t- I bet she beat you within 30 seconds. In fact, maybe I'm going to say 25 seconds. She'd ha- you'd be tapping out. That's what you'd be doing. Tapping out.
1: Oh, Grumpy Old to, Man. Yeah, I will happen. not be I will not be baited into okay. this, this discussion because we're running <laughs> towards the end of our podcast, Grumpy Old <laughs> Man. So I no, will no. not be baited into this. No, I mean, no, no. Ronda Rousey, I will say this, Grumpy Old Man, again. Uh, does she have experience? I'm sure. And Grumpy Old Man, have I talked about this off air before, yes, which we is have. why he brings this up in such a um, – in such a specific manner. So that's why he's bringing this up. But I will say this, uh, Ronda Rousey, number one is 130 pounds at five foot seven. Now, grumpy old man, I have not weighed under oof, 250 pounds and given, uh, you know, a larger individual, not, uh, slovenly, or yeah, I would say, uh, I'm definitely not in shape for anything like that, but yeah, sure. With a little bit of training, I, I'm not even getting into this, grumpy old man. It sounds but like that you're getting being into said, it. That it being like you said, that being said, I just wanted to talk about the differences of those sports. Some sports are embracing the physicality that make the sports so loved, and they're you know, they kind of putting to the wayside the CTE, the concussions, doesn't matter because they understand that everybody knows that and acknowledges that that is a chance and a possibility. So the sports like MMA and boxing, I believe, are continuing to thrive while we see the physicality being taken out of the NHL and, and football in general. And we're going to see that the rise will continue for the sports that continue to embrace that physicality, that brute-ish almost type of style of play that's being eradicated at almost all sports.
0: Yeah, well, I think you maybe you don't want to talk. You want to talk about that. But I think the people of this podcast want to hear about your challenge to Ronda Rousey. How You've always said that you can actually destroy her. There's no way she could ever beat me. Absolutely no way she could ever beat me. I know that's what you say, but I'm going to tell you what. She would destroy you. I mean, like I said, I just hope your mommy wouldn't be in the crowd when Ronda Rousey destroyed you. and And probably all your friends would be laughing at ringside. It would be terrible. It would be terrible. And she would take five foot seven. How what she weighed? Say 140? 130 think, pounds. Uh, okay, I think if she weighed one hundred twenty. She could still beat you handily. She would. She she's like a. She would be like a little trained. You know, like a. She's quick out there. She gets you in that little leg lock or whatever she gets you in, and that's it. You're done. She might even knock you out with one of those punches. I don't know, but I think it would be a good battle. I would. I I I'd pay to see that. TJ well, Grumpy, on, man, that, it. Is,
1: that is a topic of discussion for a whole different podcast. Uh, but that being said, I did want to talk about Bridgeport here quickly because um, we did talk about them over, I guess, the NHL All-Star break and uh, the issues they've been having, not being able to win, not being able to score. Um, kind of a little bit more of the same the status quo they've played two games since our the last time we talked about them one was a uh, pretty ugly loss in regulation four to one and then actually we won in shootout last night Bridgeport so woohoo I guess you could say but uh, Josh Ho scored his first goal Oliver Wallstrom added a goal and Simon Holmstrom had the uh, I believe the shootout winner so I guess that's Holmstrom kind of nice news all around
0: Holmstrom scored the winner
1: it, it, well, he scored the shootout winner. Did the puck slide
0: off his stick and just trick the goalie when he went to take a shot and a trickle behind him? That's what I'd want to know.
1: Uh, I can't Josh say. Bailey
0: Light. Josh Bailey 2.0, how he's performing.
1: Well, I can't say I didn't watch it. I did see all the updates there on social media and on Twitter, so I wanted to relay that to you and everybody else. Thank but, man, is there anything else you wanted to add into this podcast before we kind of wrap things up on Super Bowl Sunday?
0: Well, I do want to give uh, do we have games coming up for uh next Thursday's podcast? I'm sure we do. Yes, so we do. Want to, we want to do that. We want to go through our predictions and I also want to do prediction for Super Bowl Sunday. Who uh someone a former uh football player yourself, what do you think is going to happen? Uh I do. And if any uh, okay, I know this is a silly question. Has any if anyone's ever watched a game with TJ? You know, I understand he was an offensive lineman, but when all you watch is offensive line play, it kind of takes away from the fun enjoyment of watching the game. You know, I don't want to break down, oh, look, look at that chop block. He should have disengaged and hit. All right, I don't care about that. What about the guy who just scored a touchdown? You know, TJ's not interested in that. He's like, oh, that's a holding. That's a holding penalty. I'm like, please, let's just try to enjoy watching the game. Uh, So, please, TJ, what is your prediction for Super Bowl 50 for the Chiefs and the 49ers.
1: Well, I predict the San Francisco 49ers are going to run away one run away with that game. Oh. I don't think I don't yeah, and I know it's probably not a popular opinion. I don't think the Chiefs have two legs to stand on when they're playing this game. And for a few reasons. Number one, I think Andy Reid is not a sufficient big time coach. If you look at his career and his history, he's never been able to win the big game. He always gets to the pinnacle and just falls short. You see that every single time he ever goes ahead and coaches a big time game, just how it is. Usually he'll actually get stopped in the AFC Championship game or the NFC Championship game, whether you're looking at the time with the Chiefs or the time with the Eagles, doesn't matter. Usually he stops before the Super Bowl, but when he does get to the Super Bowl, he still manages to fail. That being said, The 49ers are an extremely physical, run-centric team. So what they're going to do is they're just going to go ahead and continue to run the ball, keep Patrick Mahomes off the field. They've got a very good defense. Go ahead and stop the guy once, and then you just continue to pound the ball all game. And the thing is, when you manage a clock like that, I think we might be in for a very, very short Super Bowl, given it might turn into one of those shootout fests, which Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have done all season long, where they're able to score 40-plus points. But then in the same token, I guarantee you that the 49ers are going to match it right back. I look at it like this. I think the 49ers are going to win the game. I think it's going to be in a larger margin than what we expect. And if not, I I think it would be a shootout, and I still put the 49ers ahead. I I, I think Jimmy Grappolo is – a he sucks. Oh wow, Grumpy. He sucks. Well, I think he Jimmy, sucks. I think Jimmy Grappolo, I think Jimmy Grappolo can get the job done when need be. If you look at his stats, occasionally when they rely upon him heavily, he can get the job done. And other times when the run game is strong, he doesn't have to throw more than six passes in a game. That San Francisco 49ers defense is good. And I don't know how long they're going to be able to continue to you know hide Richard Sherman in cover three. Um, but I will say it's going to be interesting to see because he will get exposed if they try to go ahead and do that. That's one thing that the Chiefs' defense is good at doing is creating separation there in um, through the receivers, whether it's a you know wide out, a tight end, a running back. They're able to really create some separation, and Mahomes is going to be making a lot of throws possibly to open receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see how the cover three hangs up there against the, uh, the electric Chiefs, but I, I think I'm going to go with the 49ers.
0: Okay, all I did was ask you who you thought was going to win. I didn't ask for a game breakdown, but as usual, I knew that's what I'd get from you. You know, one thing I had to say about Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, you ever see the like the little TM next to game uh, next to toys and stuff that stands for trademark, well with Jimmy Garoppolo it stands for turnover machine, and I think that's what you'll see today. And I will say the key to this game from a Kansas City and I'm picking Kansas City to win. You're right about Andy Reid. He has found uh, he's terrible at clock management. He's found ways to lose games he should win. Uh, but I think that he is certainly the sentimental favorite for to see him win a uh, Super Bowl title. Uh, and I think the key, once again, the key to the game for Kansas City is being able to stop the run. If they can stop the run and have to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, I don't see that happening. Offensively, Kansas City is going to put points up. They just are. Patrick Mahomes is fantastic, and they just have the weapons uh, to make it happen. I I just think they're going to win. I think the game is going to be close, but I think you're going to see a win for Kansas City tonight. And I always like
1: their logos, so I'm rooting for them. Okay. But what about and the? We'll
0: Let's get back into the Islander games.
1: Well, you got me started to talk football, and you and I could go off on a tangent on that grumpy old man. You're the one trying to to. Uh, to cause me to go ahead and get off the rails today, grumpy old man. You're doing an effective job of it.
0: Don't make me call up Ronda Rousey. She'll set you
1: straight. Oh, goodness. There we go. Anyway, uh, Grumpy Old Man, the Islanders are only going to play one game before our next podcast. They're going to play the Dallas Stars on a Tuesday. And myself and knowing our record in the past against the Dallas Stars, I'm putting us for a big fat L. We do not play well against the Dallas Stars. I think it's over the last three years. I think we've only won one game against them or something of that nature. I haven't had the stats pulled. And usually all season, anytime we play the Dallas Stars, I always have that stat pulled because we do not play well against the Stars don't know why we just don't and we don't usually have good results so i'm putting an l for us against the dallas stars
0: yeah i i hate to say it but i'm going to agree with you there and i hate to say it for islander fans i we don't dallas is whatever reason seems to have really had our number over the last number of years so i'm going to predict a dallas win also
1: yes 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 well grumpy old man i want to thank you for being a part of the podcast as always
0: No problem, and I'm sure the next podcast we'll have a Super Bowl 54 breakdown by TJ, uh, particularly offensive line play.
1: Well, if you want that, I can sure as heck give it to you. But I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for listening to the podcast. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to two Avid Islander fans talk about the team we love. And we would also want to go ahead and thank the Hockey Podcast Network for allowing us to go ahead and publish this broad or to publish this podcast on multiple different platforms. Whether you listen to it on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere we go ahead. Anywhere you think you could be to a podcast the Hockey Podcast Network has a way for you to listen to it. So we are very appreciative of them. And thank you so much again, Grumpy Old Man.
0: My pleasure.